back to Zillennial Canon. I'm Kira. And I am uh, having a rocking good time. My name is Adam. Are you really having a rocking good time, Adam? No. Uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> so, here we are. Rock of Ages. So, we've been, we've been talking about this for probably, like, what, like, two months? By we... I, we mean you have been talking about yes. this for two months. Uh, I have been so... <laughs> generously trying to tell her that this movie is uh, A, not good, B, not zillennial, and uh, C, not worth talking about. <laughs> but against uh, better judgment, Kira, uh, ignore it. She heeded my warnings. Uh, so here's and... the little the backstory. <laughs> On July 3rd, I went to an art house cinema um, to see the movie um, Risky Business. During the iconic scene when Tom Cruise is sliding in his socks, we all know that scene, um, and he is lip syncing to, what is it, old old time rock and roll? Is that the title of the song? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's the title of the song, but yeah. You all know the song. Um, So in my brain, I go... And, like, I've always thought this. I I think, personally, I've said this a billion times, I think every actor should be in a musical. Every actor, at some point in their career. Yeah. And I thought in my head during that scene, damn, Tom Cruise should really be in a musical. And then a fucking light bulb went off in my head. Tom Cruise was in a musical. And I've never seen it. And now I should watch it. However, this is something that I would not watch on my own. This is something that I would have to be motivated to watch for a podcast. And so that's why we watched Rock of Ages this week. And by I said we, I mean I did, because Adam fucking turned it off 30 minutes into the movie. So let me preface that by uh, I have a lot of, I already have so many replies to everything you just said. Listen, that's I have an entire page of notes, folks. A spiral notebook. I I think it's all fine and good that you want to torture yourself when it comes to Rock of Ages. I have no I have no qualms with that. That's not that's not my fight to fight. Okay. If you wanted to do this at your own leisure, I'd be like, Kira, I, I wish you the best. Uh what I take issue with is <laughs> dragging me in this with you. Because here's the thing. I'm not above a bad movie. I'm not above talking about a bad movie. I'm not even above talking about a bad, boring movie. What I'm against is... The, okay, first of all, this movie is, like, straight up not zillennial. Like, I don't care if it fits in the, like, <laughs> technicalities of the, like, the, the clause we have for timeline. I'm sorry. That's like saying we need to cover, like, Steven Spielberg's Munich. Like, just because it came out in 2006. Like, we're not... Like, this is not zillennial. This movie is made for, like... First of all, this movie is made for nobody. <laughs> this movie, because any, like... Uh, like, the, the people that, like, the 80s nostalgia is catering to do not care about, like, jukebox musicals. They don't care about it. Counterpoint. Counterpoint. This movie was made for boomers and kids who liked Glee. Okay, but was it though? Because it made like twelve million at the box office. Because so apparently it wasn't because no one showed up for it. This 
<laughs> so that's that's my counterpoint. I <laughs> this movie is just it, it just doesn't like um it doesn't it doesn't work. But here's the thing. So Kira's accused me of not having finished the movie. Uh, I have two arguments to that. One is that I've already seen the movie. I have seen this movie before. I saw it in theaters in 2012. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 11 years ago. But I, I've, I have seen it in theaters, um, and I did end up in quotation marks finishing this movie. Now, when I say I watched this movie and I finished this movie, um, do you know that GIF of like, um the clip of Dominic Fike in Euphoria and then the girl on the iPad's mm-hmm. watching and she's just like hitting the like 10 second forward. forward. But it, yeah. yeah, I, that was, I watched, that's how I watched this movie. I just like every time they started like, do, anytime I was getting annoyed, I just went like next, next. And it was primarily just getting through to like anything of value, which is very little admittedly, but it, uh, but of course, that would be Tom Cruise. Like every Tom Cruise scene, I did watch in full. Um, I would get through like a minute or two of a musical sequence, but then I would be just appalled at how badly staged and like ever just executed it is on every level that I would just end up skipping through it because it genuinely did make me cringe at many points. Like, and I, that's not even like a bit. Like I. I would love to reclaim the Tom Cruise musical. I would love to <laughs> revise history and say, wait, this movie's great. I would love to uh, lead the brigade of uh, saying, wait, this Tom Cruise musical from 2012 is great, actually. Unfortunately, <laughs> folks, we can't do that because this movie's not good. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I just like. I mean, I I can I can comment on things, but this will like you do have to like kind of lead this because this is just like this is my worst nightmare. It's just like it's everything I hate about movies, in like mm-hmm. one. Movie. It's just like okay, one more thing before I let you go off. My least favorite thing, maybe not my least favorite thing, but like one of my biggest like cinema pet peeves, is like when movies have to have that like little smug middle ground between being like quirky and like on the nose and being like sincere and like a love letter to something like you can't have it both ways. Like I hate that like little middle ground of like, we're like self-aware and we're quirky and we're like in a wink at the camera, but also we're a love letter to this thing. We're old fashioned. That's like, dude, make up your fucking mind. What movie are you like? This so is here's the thing. So pathetic. <laughs> Adam. Don't interrupt me. I <laughs> I think it would be possible for this movie to have potential if it was entirely recast other than Tom Cruise and if it was played completely as a parody. And they still had a little bit of a heartwarming element. But if the movie mostly focused on Tom Cruise's character, I don't know who the fuck this couple is. Okay, like, get out of here. If it entirely focused on Tom Cruise's character and it was, like, almost how, like, Walk Hard is, like, a parody of, like, biopics or whatever. Mm -hmm. If this was, like, a parody of, like, I don't know, like, 
if it was like making fun of the nostalgia yeah like of like people being nostalgic for this terrible period of which like okay i love 80s music so much this is some of my least favorite music in the world this entire soundtrack some of my least favorite music in the world however i found myself looking forward to the musical numbers because the stuff in between um with the couple i just did not care about tom cruise is so good in this movie he is so good in this movie. With the material that he was given, he completely, he put his whole Tom Crissy into this. Tom Crissy. Um, I think the statement that, um, what did you say this this had uh, potential to... It would be ha- possible, f- it would be possible to have potential. That's such a, like... Okay, I don't want to, like, pick on you, but that's such a nothing statement. Because, like, it's, like, every <laughs> movie has the po- <laughs> Like, every movie has that. Like, I don't know what that even means. Like, I, I that's so funny to me. Like, I, like, I, like, every, what, are you, what are you talking okay. about? I, no, okay, so it's, it's, I get what you're saying, but, like, the way that, <laughs> the way that's, like, phrased, like, yeah, okay, like, so did, like, fucking Dougal. Like, I don't know, like, I, 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 I it's just, yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you, like, Yes, I would. Do I agree that a hypothetical movie that I would like script doctor in my head it would be better than the one we got? Yeah, I agree with that. Like, is but <laughs> I'm just like taking it as it is because this movie is just like it has like nothing because it is based. This is in Broadway musical, right? Like originally. Yes, it was. Yes, it okay. was. And as a tri-state area kid that loved musicals, um, this was ingrained into my brain from watching Saturday Night Live ad comes on at like 12:30. Yeah, Broadway I is on Broadway. Yeah, I never, uh, obviously, never saw the Broadway production of it, but I. Uh, I mean, I don't really have much experience with, like, with anything about this outside of seeing the movie in 2012, forgetting about it, and then you bringing it up two months ago. Like, I, like, there's, <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing, although, I wait, hold on, before we go any further into the movie itself, did you look at the director? Adam Shankman, yeah. Okay, because he has made Zillennial Classics, which I think this may have been where this, like, sparked off at one of these other pods, I can't remember which. Mm-hmm. But he directed uh, Zillennial classics such as The Pacifier, Hairspray, Bedtime Stories. Uh, he did Cheaper by the Dozen 2, uh, A Walk to Remember, which I've never seen, but I can only imagine. That's Zillennial as hell. Okay. Yeah. That's Mandy I've Moore, right? seen it so right? many times. Yeah, seen it so yeah. many times. Yeah, yeah I've, I've never seen it. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, no, like he, I, I did not, I did not know that until just now that he directed this movie. That's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, which honestly though, comparing this to Hairspray, which I contend is a great movie, um, the difference in like utilization of like musical set pieces and like how good Hairspray does it. Like there are like five different sequences off the top of my head in Hairspray that are like i would maybe it's nostalgia speaking but genuinely like i would say like all time like musical numbers right and there's like i i cannot tell you one memorable scene in this movie that is a musical number at least like obviously there's a lot of great um tom cruise moments but the thing is even with tom cruise he doesn't have a good musical moment in this movie he has good like character acting moments 
but he doesn't like I, I the whole movie I was like by the whole movie the parts I was skimming through uh the whole time I was skimming through this movie I was looking forward to I'm like okay well at least at the end I might get to see like Tom Cruise really go off you kind you I mean you see like I mean there's like a glimpse of it because I remember from the trailer the reason I was excited about this movie at the age of like 14 15 whatever um was because the trailer ends with him going like I'm wanted, and then he like and then like that's the whole like last thirty seconds of the trailer, and it makes it seem like there's gonna be this huge concert scene of just him singing. And I remember like seeing that trailer as a kid, and I was like, yo, like let's fucking go. <laughs> and then it, that's how the movie ends, and it's kind of like the ADR is just like super like uh, I don't know if you noticed that too, but like it's just like super like compressed, and like it, you can just tell the butchered it in post like whatever yeah. genuine singing that tom cruise was doing is just like annihilated and it's just and then it's like overshadowed because it feels like like that they're editing around him to like make room for like the couple and i'm just like i got pissed off i was like dude fuck this movie like oh my god like the one thing i liked about it like they just wasted it and arguably it's only selling point really to the mass public they mm-hmm. like just like fuck up like it's it's egregious this movie like i hate this i hate this fucking movie <laughs> yeah um i yeah um <laughs> my favorite thing about you today was that, even... like when you sent me the picture of you watching it on your ipad and you texted me like because you texted me, like, I could tell from the picture you sent me, it was during, like, the opening musical number, and you're like, I don't know how you didn't have fun with this. And I'm like, you're ten minutes into this movie. I'm like, No, I'll fully, (laughs) I'll fully say I took the picture and then, like, 15 minutes later sent it. Okay. Because I was eating Taco Bell at the time. (laughs) And I, when I sent you the picture, there was there is a cheesy gordita crunch and a and a five la- beefy five layer burrito in the picture. The cheesy gordita crunch was fully gone by the time I sent you the picture. Okay, fair enough. Because I was like, how can so, you say that? Like, yeah. <laughs> like that early in the movie, like me, like during the opening credits. Like, how have you not having fun with this? I'm like, give it time, girl. <laughs> like, damn. Like, um, I was thinking that like an hour into it too, though. And then like, well, okay, so. You skimmed through a lot. Did you get up to um to Russell Brand and Alec Baldwin kissing? Yeah. No, I mean, and I remember that from when I saw it in theaters. Like I and I and I watched yeah. the scene again, like because I, I guess I just had to see it twice. Um, did yeah, you no, see like, the Did you see the sex scene on the pool table when he sings maybe, into uh, Malin Ackerman's okay. booty? Well, okay. I think we have different definitions of skimming. I saw. Like, I watched most of the movie. It's just, like, whenever a scene was making me cringe, I just, like, was, like... It, it went, like, it was mostly, like, the... For example, like I said, like, every time... Uh, like, the 80s, like, uh, the when he turns into, like, a pop star and, like, Eli yeah, Robbins, yeah. I was like, skip. Nope, not doing it. Like, uh, any time the two leads were singing, it just I was like, nope, not doing it. Like, I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. Like, I... <laughs> uh, honestly, a lot of the Brian Cranston stuff I skipped through... Um, I thought that uh, I love Mary J. Blige, but like that uh, that one sequence in the strip club, I just thought was like uh, I, there's like two scenes, but the the musical number in the strip club, I just I thought was like awful what I saw of it, so I skipped through really? that. I thought it was I thought it was fine. I thought that was one of the better ones because it was actually like a big set. I mean, and it wasn't okay. Like what you were saying, okay, comparing this to Hairspray, 
which you can't compare it to Hairspray. I do agree with you. Um, how you were saying how there's like so many incredible like musical numbers and just set pieces in Hairspray. Um, I think the issue with this movie is that the music doesn't really lend itself to choreography. Mm-hmm. It more so is just like drunkenly thrashing around and like you know like they're not gonna like choreograph a dance for tom cruise to do no matter how much i want them to um the only real like scenes that have like dance numbers in them like the one in the beginning with the church you watch that scene i forget what they were singing but it was with the women i watched a lot i watched most of this movie Okay. Like, I, I okay. wouldn't get into a scene. If I started to hate it, then I would skip through it. But I, like, I watched okay. at least half of every scene. So Catherine Zeta-Jones, she, like, slays every performance that she's in. I don't care what movie it is. Um, another issue that I had with this, everybody in this movie looked like they were from the 2010s. Like, it's, like, the thing where mm-hmm. people now say that, like, people have, like, Instagram face or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, there were not enough like shoulder pads or anything. In this yeah, movie. they, like, they just and made they all, everyone look like 2010s they, definition of attractive. Yeah, they all look like they just heard Jason Derulo on the radio right before walking on set. <laughs> it's, it's um, yeah. I mean, that's my and and you know, going to that point about like how it you could play into that like chaoticness of like the 80s and that kind of music. Like you could play mm-hmm. into it and, like have it be like a really high energy, like frenetic kind of like kind of like fever dream of a musical like you could play into mm-hmm. that you know you could have mm-hmm. that be part of the narrative you could um you know i i i go back to like uh the pitch for uh that freddie mercury biopic that uh um sasha baron cohen had where he kind of described it like that mm-hmm. and uh it's not i mean i was just talking about that with joe the other day actually and i was like it, it sounds fucking incredible and like because we were talking about uh we were in line for the we were seeing the muppet movie uh, which was mm-hmm. amazing on the big screen by the way and uh we were he was talking to me about that like jim henson biopic that the henson estate canceled and then that's like when i got into like the uh freddie mercury thing because we were talking about like canceled movies that we like wish we could mm-hmm. like seen and the way he like described that was like he was like it's so like you have to kind of like be in the headspace of not only like freddie mercury but like that time you know like to be alive and like uh the like the high like the high of the music like i want the movie to feel the same way that you feel when you're listening to bohemian rhapsody like you go through the mm-hmm. highs and the rush and everything is how he described it right and uh i i can only imagine like that that would be like i mean if i don't i don't want to like imagine me directing this movie because i i would never do that but um I but I, I, direct this movie. I don't i don't fucking care i would make it so much better <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I don't doubt that. I, I don't doubt that at all. It's just... Thank you. But it's just it's just so... It's just so, like, void of, like, excitement. Like, there's no energy. And there's, like... It's full of people that I like. Like I said, I love Mary J. Blige. I obviously love Tom Cruise. Paul Giamatti. Zillennial King. He's always like, playing an insane person. Like, and I fucking love it. I think he did a great job, too. I, I think, don't care. I think he's the second MVP here. I did... Uh, I fully watched every scene he was in just because it was yeah. Giovanni. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I liked him a lot in this movie. Um, he's like one of the only people in this movie that I feel like knows the movie they're in. Um, yeah. um, I, I also agree about Catherine Zeta-Jones. I really like her in everything. And I don't even think she's bad 
in this movie. In fact, I wouldn't even say a lot of people in this movie are bad. It's just it feels like they're either kind of confused of what movie they're in or they're mm-hmm. just not being well directed or well utilized by their director. I think that's the issue. I have two points. One, offshoot of what I was saying before with Catherine Zeta-Jones. So I think it is a very interesting, I think it's good choreography. However, um, there are not, this is going to sound crazy. Like, this is literally Rock of Ages, guys. There aren't enough long takes to show that like, people are actually dancing. The camera is, like, cutting to the beat of the music. So yeah. it just looks like people, like, moving. Like, they're literally on, like, a physical set. Like, and they're, like, using, like, church pews as, like, set pieces to dance around and things like that. And, like, the cat, like, the editing is so bad that, like, you can't even see that these people are dancing. If it was literally just, like, long takes and they were dancing, I would say, okay, passable. There's actually, like, dance numbers in this musical. Also, what you were saying about the cast, about how you don't think that people are bad, am I the only one that, like... Nobody gives me more anxiety and secondhand embarrassment than Russell Brand. Oh, no. Absolutely okay. nobody oh. on this earth gives okay, me so. more anxiety than <laughs> Russell Brand. So, Anytime like I, I see said, his face, I get so scared. So, like I said, I said almost everybody. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, every time, I, every time I, every time I walk into a fucking Barnes and Noble or a used bookstore, all I see is every single time. Russell Brand's memoir, My Bookie Wook, or whatever the fuck it's called, it's always there in every used bookstore because nobody wants it. And I hate the title of that book. I don't like Russell Brand. I think he's terrible. I, um, so, I mean, I don't really have a, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> that's funny. I, I don't have a lot of uh, strong feelings for Russell Brand. I think, um, in his earlier days, I really, I liked his shtick, like, like forgetting Sarah Marshall, I think he's really good in that movie. Even oh like, yeah, yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, like I get him to the Greek. Um, I don't think he's like. I mean, I don't like particularly like him in this movie. I but there's also nothing in his performance that I'd change because like just. I mean, I think the character is obnoxious, but if you're gonna cast that character and how he was written, I can't argue that he did perfectly fine in that role if that makes sense like i can't really argue against the casting there same thing for alec baldwin like i he's a very hit or miss actor for me in terms of me liking him he like he'll fucking slay in 30 rock or mission impossible and then mm-hmm. he'll show up in something else and just give nothing and i kind i mean he didn't again he didn't really do anything for me here um ironically the people that i think were straight up bad in this movie are the two leads i i think they yeah. uh, fucking and i julian huff i think is like a very hit or miss actress i i don't really have a lot of strong feelings for her in general like as an actress um i i don't know i i don't think she's i I think she's better than the guy slightly like she kind of just the guy's just like nothing he doesn't really he just completely blank slate performance just like zero charisma zero i mean yeah he's attractive but like it's just like there's nothing there um you can blame that on the character but like he's also giving like no effort into like making it his own you know and it's like you're in a movie with fucking tom cruise like how are you Mm -hmm. not gonna like try to like you know be a star right now like how can you land this role and give nothing to it like that's just like incredible to me 
um, that you have so many great actors and these are your leads. Like that's just it, insane choices all the way around <laughs> for this movie. Yeah. Um, so there's like a kind of, I guess it's like kind of controversial. I forget what movie was coming out. I feel like whenever like a musical is announced, like people are kind of like stop casting like actors to be in musicals and like like movie actors that don't have experience in singing because like they don't have the range or whatever. But when you cast people like I feel like something like this, it's probably like really hard to adapt because Julian Huff specifically is like acting for the stage. Mm-hmm. Like, she is acting in a way where she has to appeal to the absolute last row of the last balcony. Like, that's mm-hmm. what she's trying to, like, project to. And it's like, that doesn't work in a movie. She's yeah. not, like, she doesn't have any, like, subtlety to her in any way. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, honestly, I don't know why they cast Malin Ackerman as, like, the random journalist she could have been the lead i don't know yeah she looks similar enough to julian <laughs> and and i guess that's the thing really that, good and i feel like there are like at least broadway actresses that could have like you know broad subtlety or something like i i don't want this to be like a you know julian huff like hate pot or anything like i don't have anything no. against her but just like in this movie no, specifically i like i've seen her in- dancing she's yeah, I'm, she's a very talented woman. It's just in this specific role, it's just not, yeah. um, it's not it. Like, it's just not. And it, it wouldn't be so bad if she was, you know, like on the sidelines, like Russell Brand or something. But again, it just goes to the point, like when you're the lead of the movie, it just makes it all the more kind of like rough to watch. Like, it's just like, especially because considering you're taking time away from like Tom Cruise, you're taking time away from like Paul Giamatti, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones who has like maybe three or four scenes in this whole movie, but I mean, she slays in all four or five scenes she has, but you know, regardless, like you can help but think like when you're watching all the other scenes where you're like, well, I could be watching these other talented actors right now. And I don't know. It just, it doesn't really, it it just doesn't click. I think (laughs) it's my big thing. It it never really has that moment where you're like locked in. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that on the sets of Rogue Nation and Fallout, they discussed this, Tom Cruise and Alec Baldwin? Or do you think that they, like, because Alec Baldwin said that, um, wait, where is it? There was a quote by him that was, like, insane. Um, He, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Alec Baldwin, who played Dennis Dupree in the film, was critical, calling it a horrible movie and a complete disaster. He asked New Line studio head to replace him in his role shortly before the beginning of production. And so he knew before they even started shooting that he didn't want to be in this movie. How did you... Well, wait, what? Hold on, I'm looking, trying to look at it right now. So he was (laughs) signed on in March 2011. And when did filming start? In May. In, in May, May, there was a deadline Hollywood so, <laughs> article saying that he has the studio had wait, to replace him. So what the what uh what happened like between then and like from March and May? Like what did he find out? Hold on, wait, wait. So it said that he had a medical issue in 2011, 
but honey, we all have medical issues. In but 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 in 2013, he came clean and said that it was a horrible movie and a complete disaster. Yeah. So honestly, we have all woken up at seven o'clock in the morning and walked into our mom's room and said, "Mom, I threw up. I don't want to go to school today," because yeah. you have like a big test and you don't want to go. Now, maybe that sounds reductive. I don't know what. I don't know what he was dealing with at the time, but, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's very funny. I, I mean, I can't really. At, at the end of the day, you kind of have to just be accountable though for the roles you choose, especially when you're at the level of like an Alec Baldwin. I mean, this is post Thirty Rock, dude. Like, you could get like anything, really, technically, yeah. if you wanted it, and. You know, to an extent. And so I don't really get why he's, like, bitching about, like, oh, I feel like I had to do this movie. Like, you didn't have to do it. Like, no one forced you to do it. Like, um, I do, uh, I, I think Tom Cruise, like, I would love to, like, first of all, I love, I, I, my dream interview is to interview Tom Cruise. Because I've been, like, listening to, like, a podcast recently. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the It's the Like the Fuse podcast, the, the mm-hmm. Mission pod and i listened to like yeah. his big episode cool on that. there and he mm-hmm. uh it, it's it's he just sounds like a, a really good interview and he seems like very honest about like his approach to like when it comes to like filmmaking and what he believes works and doesn't work and he he like he just loves talking about like the filmmaking process but he also like always like something he said that like really stuck with me is that like he he said something like i i learn from even like the worst experiences so he's like i like will like take that and try to like infuse it positively into the next production. And I think um, I would love to talk to him about this because he's, he's said many times that he's a big fan of like classic musicals, like that he, he he's like, it's like one of his favorite things. And I'm pretty like, I'm 99% sure that um, uh, he's going to do a musical after Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part two, uh, because mm-hmm. he teased something. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, it was announced that, uh, like, it was, like, a scoop that Variety, I think it was Variety or Hollywood Reporter or something, that said, like, they were gearing up to do a musical. Uh, and With he, Christopher McQuarrie, right? Yeah, and he, he teased that he's, like, in terms of, like, choreography, it feels like a culmination of everything I've been building up to my entire career, which is yeah. very, like, but when I read that, I take it as, like, he's going to do, like, a song and dance, like, tap dance kind of, like, mm-hmm. fully, like, physical musical like in the in the like same realm of like singing in the rain or something you know yeah see that's what i mean when i say that all actors should be in musicals because i feel like a lot of people don't realize like how good they would be in a musical and maybe that like maybe that's just me like projecting or something but like Mm. not even joking when i say like and he is a very good singer that Vin Diesel should be in a musical. I want him to be in like guys and dolls or something because he would literally kill that. If somebody's a really good action star, they're going to be really good in a musical. It's just the choreography of it. Keanu. Like if there's really, yeah, Keanu, like if there's really good, like really well choreographed fight scenes in a movie, like that person is going to be good at dancing. I fully believe yeah. that. Like, yeah. And yeah. somebody doesn't have to be a perfect singer to be in a musical. It's yeah. the charisma. And and I think the the same thing could be true for like directors too. Like I bet like 
you know, Macquarie or like Chad Stahelski or like, you know, any of these people that do like, uh, like I bet James Wan would do a really killer kind of like musical. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think all these things, I mean, you're right. Like it, it, choreography is choreography. You know what I mean? Like if, if you can do, it's kind of goes to like the high school musical uh, thing where it's like, if you can like, like learn how to like take orders for basketball and like, and all that stuff like if you can be coached you can be directed you know <laughs> so it's the same true. So it's, true. i mean it's, it's like that ladybird scene where the like a uh, football coach is like uh he takes over for the uh for the theater director for the play yeah it's yeah. like he's doing the like the the play-by-play uh which is a great scene uh but <laughs> but no like the philosophy does apply and I, I do agree with that i think um you know i i tom cruise isn't getting any younger so i think this is like the perfect time for him to do something like that because uh, I, I would him, love... him and Vin Diesel and Christopher McQuarrie's Guys and Dolls that movie is going to make five billion dollars I don't even know what Guys and Dolls is but I'll, I, if they do it, it would I be would, perfect. <laughs> I'd watch It'd it be perfect for it. Uh, he, I think they should remake Hairspray again um, and uh, have I don't know Tom Cruise be... Tom Cruise as Corny Collins. Is that the... No, James, James Martin was made for that role. He was great in that. He was really Why great Why is he not in more musicals? Like, James what Martin? is Hollywood doing? What is Hollywood doing? Remember when they made a fucking Enchanted sequel and they it was bad? Yeah, I didn't watch it, actually, surprisingly, <laughs> even though Enchanted was, like, one of my favorite movies as a kid. I... Yeah, I, I did watch it. <laughs> From the director of this movie, by the way. Um, and yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty bad. It it wasn't good. Um, wow. But it really, all comes full circle. Yeah. Um. um I do want to talk so, about the box office though, because like that it, it this yeah. shit bombed. Like this shit is yeah. uh, in in America alone, it made only thirty eight million. Not opening weekend total. Um, it had a total of 59 million worldwide on a budget of 75 million. It didn't even break even. It definitely did not turn a profit. This is like one of the biggest bombs I've ever seen. Um, in a 2019 interview, Adam Shankman said, I think it would have been huge if it had something that was made for streaming. Here are the problems with what Rock of Ages was. I think it was released on a very complicated date. We were in the early summer days. There were marketing challenges to do with the cast, but that wasn't their fault. The cast loved it, and Tom Cruise really wanted to feel like an ensemble member, and Warner Brothers wanted to put the whole thing on him. He wasn't the problem at all. He just made a real point of view. Uh, he he said that there's a it's a weird cult movie, which I, that's not true. Like that. No one's I'm the only person that kind of sort of liked this movie. And yet I'm still saying, I want to remake the entire thing and change the entire cast. I don't want to change like, like half of the plot. I don't want to speak for you, but I think you just like, like the idea of this movie. Like, I do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's cause they, I mean, it, it's just, full of i mean it goes back to like the very funny thing you said earlier where like it has the potential for uh the idea of it has potential or whatever and i'm like yeah like sure but like everything (laughs) everything does and i just feel like at no point in the production from what i'm reading on wikipedia like everything about the production of this 
it feels like completely scattershot. Like everyone involved. I mean, it goes it, it, to, you know, to his credit. It's exactly what Adam Schiffen seemingly said was that everyone involved had different motives. Everyone involved had a different like idea of what this movie was supposed to be. And when you watch this movie, you can tell. You can tell that no one really had an idea of the vision for it. Everyone else, like every performance feels like it's from a different movie. Every mm-hmm. editing choice feels like they were at odds with like what movie was supposed to be. The tone, the the script, the the staging, that like just the everything. And I and I I'm not, you know, saying that I'm a musical expert by any means. I merely did uh, theater in high school. That's all I did. But I think I know enough. <laughs> I think I know enough <laughs> to know what works. And uh, I, this is not it. So from that same Forbes interview, and like, this is definitely a criticism that I have of it, like where uh, Adam Shankman said that he was making a really expensive cult movie. Um, and where he was talking about like, Tom Cruise and Warner Brothers. Um, so one of my things with this, and you were saying in the beginning that it has this weird, like, sincerity and, like, there's not really a good, like, balance. Like, it's too much, like, middle ground or whatever. Mm-hmm. So my main thing is, like, yes, it's about... It, quote-unquote, takes place in 1987 weird random year it's not mid 80s which i guess they kind of sort of allude to that where they're like you're you need to be in a boy band now or whatever there's no real like i don't want to say like cultural criticism but there's no real like outside reference or like anything that has to do with like american culture in the 80s Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like it. Yeah, yeah. There's and, no like and he, other than like I guess other than the uh, existence of the uh, Catherine Zeta Jones character, which like, I, like you know she is based in that kind of like. It's like Reagan-ish. Yeah, exactly. Like she, she is kind of like a, like a moral like, panic type. Yeah, like she's a culmination of like the 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 you know blame everything on sex and violence on TV kind of like mindset that was very. Yes. Cool. In the 80s and definitely spilled into the 90s, you know. Yes. I, you know, and not, you know, not to go like fully dark with it, but like I feel like that went all the way to like Columbine and like the mid 2000s. Like it just, and it's still, I mean, honestly, it's still going today, but like it definitely got birthed, I think, in the 80s. And she, I mean, she does kind of represent that theme, but I do agree that like I think, I, from what I can tell, if I had to do like an analysis on this and where it went wrong to going after what you're saying. I think I agree that they really should have like more of that in the movie. They should make it more about something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy thought. Movies should be about something. But no, like yeah. I, I, I do think <laughs> it should um, you know, double down on that if it wants to be like interesting in the slightest. And I, it feels like they were like, no, we have this character and that's enough, which I just uh, it, it's not. Yeah. It's really not. Yeah. And, like, it doesn't have to be, like, a cultural criticism, but, like, in the same Forbes interview where he was talking about that, he, uh, when he said, I'm making a really expensive cult movie over here, and the studio 
said, no, no, it's great. You made hairspray. And his reaction was, I don't know. This isn't really about ending racism. Rock of Ages is something else entirely. It has a lot of joy in it, but the story isn't really solid. So it's just a lot of fun, right? Okay, the thing is, Hairspray is really, really, really good at cultural criticism. Mm -hmm. Still being, like, a lot of fun to watch. Um... And it has that perfect balance. Yeah. Like, a movie can be all fun. We know that from, like, Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Yeah. Flawless movies. Flawless musicals. So much fun. Beyond criticism. Mm -hmm. Something like this is, like, so fascinating to me. Because, like I said, like, okay, so this is based on a stage musical. We know that. Uh, the creator of the musical fucking hates this movie. Oh. <laughs> um, I have a quote. <laughs> I have a quote from him. Hold on. Where is it? Uh, I wrote it down. Uh, fuck, where'd it go? Um, the creator said that when the trailer came out, I saw there was a monkey in it, and then I knew what kind of movie it was, and I think America <laughs> knew what sort of movie it was. I don't know anything about this guy. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure the musical, like, (laughs) like, it's really hard for me to not like a Broadway musical, because you spend a bunch of money, and you go, and you see these talented people singing amazingly in front of you. Like, I literally, I saw the School of Rock musical that Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote the music for, like, it was terrible, but I had a great time. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be like that was a bad musical after seeing a musical. So um like for me personally. It's just the spectacle of it all. So right. who knows? And like I don't know anyone who has seen this, so I can't ask them. It was huge on Broadway, I remember as a kid, like because like the railroad like um that I take into the city at every station they have like posters. And they'll have, like, posters like posters for stuff that's, like, going on in the city. So you can, like, take the train and go, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's always posters for Rock of Ages. I would always see, lo- like, not, like, local commercials, but when, like, watching the news all the time, Saturday Night Live, they always have, like, a Broadway musical ad in the middle. Um, I would always see ads for this. And I knew, like, it was a very long-running show and a very successful show. Um, I think that if this movie came out, like, far away from the musical, and like I said in the beginning of the episode, not that it's, like, a parody, but I think especially in, like, a post-Stranger Things world, I know that sounds, like, ridiculous, but how the 80s had, like, such a weird resurgence in, like, 2016 or whenever Stranger Things started, I don't even remember. Yeah. I think that 80s nostalgia like especially like this like type of classic rock which I hate so much. Um it had a weird resurgence with Glee with Don't Stop Believing which oh my god, this so- this this movie ending with Don't Stop Believing, I fully like I 
this is complete like hyperbole but like i think that is one of my least favorite songs that has ever been made um i mean i <laughs> i okay i'm i'm on the opposite spectrum where i i really i like that song but the thing is i think that i mean i already kind of talked about it, like the ending it there i thought it was like awful like the the mixing of it like the way they awkwardly transition into it the way that's not a like alec baldwin singing in the audience yeah and like and then like pregnant malin ackerman and like just like it like it's just and it's also like the most because uh, it starts off where you're like uh you can tell that there's like actual people like in that audience but then like i don't know like yeah. when they cut to like the wide shot it's so like obviously cgi that it's just like um and you also like tell that malin ackerman and like alec baldwin were like not physically there like it's just like yeah. it's like embarrassing uh but like even so like the way they i can't really i don't know the proper terminology but like the way they like mix the song together and like they infuse it into like this specific like cover of it it's so mm-hmm awkward like it's just so like i don't know and it doesn't in my head and i could be proven wrong if a good musical ever like does it but that's not like a final song either like i don't in my head that's not a song to end a movie with you know i think it is and i think that it's so overplayed i guess just because like glee like that was like the end of the season one finale they all sing don't stop believing like at the end of the pilot which like i don't know i just feel like that song is always like it comes on at school dances and all the kids go insane or like it's like those memes that are like songs that get white people like that make white people go crazy like don't stop believing yeah like it makes sense to me that that would be like i don't know and of course like something that i cannot stand and they do this in glee is when they specifically name characters and make archetypes as an excuse or like a reason Mm -hmm. to make a character sing a certain song in the future yeah like when they introduce the character as like the character of jesse in the first season of Glee, and it's like, oh my god, they're doing this just so he can sing Jesse's Girl. Like, oh, it's yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And that annoys me so much. And it's like, in the end, of course, they ended it with Don't Stop Believing because the lyrics to the song are the plot of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I I definitely don't notice that shit as much as you do, um, but I, you know, I can't disagree with that. Uh, obviously, I mean, I, I have nothing really to defend this movie for. I think it's a movie that largely does. I, I mean, I was going to try to be polite. I'm not going to be polite. I think this is a movie that does nothing right. Like, actually, like, like, I would say. The only thing it does right, obviously, I mean, I've already said Tom Cruise is great in this movie. There are some sets, which I can always appreciate. It's even if a movie that was released in 2012. Yeah, I mean, other than those, like, things, I I have nothing 
nice to say about it. Like, let's say that LCJ, like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Like, I don't have, like, it's just so embarrassing. Like, and I, I don't like using that, like, you know, phrase when it comes to, like, movies. Because, like, even, like, in the worst movie, I can kind of be like, oh, you know, people worked hard on that. You know, like, movies don't fully embarrass me all the time. All the time. I'm strong of this and all the time. But I, but this movie does kind of embarrass me just in the sense that, like, it's, like, super cringe. And, like, I don't know, like, the idea that, like, you know, you're bringing up, like, Stranger Things. That's kind of, like, what I was alluding to earlier where I was, like, when I say this movie's for nobody. Because, like, I think it was kind of ahead of the curve, weirdly, in catering to that, like, 80s nostalgia demographic. Like, I, and I do think it hit, like, in the 2010s, like, that show The Goldbergs, and, like, like I think even pre-Stranger Things, like, it was, like, on the surface. Like, it was, it was very prevalent. But there's just something about Stranger Things that, I mean, I, I think Stranger Things is good, actually. But, uh, so I think that is, does have a lot to do with why it popped off. I don't think it fully wrote nostalgia, but I just think it did nostalgia well and i think that show is actually you know going to what we were saying that show is very critical of the 80s it is if you want to talk about like um you know the reaganisms and like all that like the the like the rise of like the fbi and the cia like in surveillance and paranoia and like how that show like really ruined a lot of like american families stranger things has a lot of that on its mind for its earlier seasons and it's good at it you know what i mean um uh but not that it's a perfect show, but it, I, I do like it. And Rock of Ages is just, like, one of those things where... I mean, it's very telling that the fucking creator of the show doesn't like this movie. That uh, mm-hmm. he seemingly had no oversight on uh, what it was going to be made as. Um, I don't know who this guy Alan Loeb is that wrote it, but I, I cannot believe that Justin Theroux wrote this movie with him so i don't know who wrote more of this movie i don't know if it was like a true 50 50 uh justin thoreau is a funny guy that i i actually like Justin Thoreau quite a bit like just as a as an actor as a writer i like him in a lot of different things but it is always so fucking funny to me anytime i see his goddamn name on a credit because it's always at the times i least expect it um i i mean where do i even begin i can only imagine that Somewhere, because he did write uh, Tropic Thunder, I think, or he, he, mm-hmm. uh, he, don't, did he? No, am I getting that wrong? It's kind of hard to like navigate his uh, 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 Wikipedia between writing and <laughs> and directing. Um, okay, yeah, Wikipedia's just like weirdly set up. You think you're on one page, you're not. Um, okay, he. Okay, he wrote, executive produced, cameoed in Tropic Thunder. So he had a relationship with Tom Cruise, I can only imagine, due to that movie. And probably, if I would not be surprised if he was in an even earlier Tom Cruise movie. I'm sure somewhere along the way that maybe how Tom Cruise got semi-involved with this, I would not be surprised. Um, he seems like a guy who's like very loyal to like people. And like If you worked with him once, he's willing to work again. You know, That's what it seems like to me. Um, but I'm like looking at Justin Thoreau's like filmography. Like in 2010, he wrote Mega Mind and Iron Man 2. Oh, wait, no, he didn't. Wait, no, I no, he didn't. I'm sorry. This Wikipedia sucks. I'm so sorry. He but he did write <laughs> Iron Man 2. He was just he voiced Mega. He Megamind. was in Mega. He he uh he was Mega Mind's father actually. Yeah. 
and he was apparently a creative consultant, whatever the fuck that means. Um, but yeah, he wrote Rock <laughs> of Ages. He wrote Zoolander 2. He wrote... No, that's the last movie he wrote. Um, he's done like a lot of TV work recently. Um, namely, I would say he wrote uh, a lot of episodes of The Leftovers, and he gives... One of the best television performances I've ever seen in my life on The Leftovers. He's incredible in that show. So, you know, what I'm saying is this guy, this show is, or this movie is not entirely void, even behind the camera. We've talked so much about, you know, the talent in front of the camera. There's clearly a lot of people behind the scenes that, you know, they have stuff in their corner that would, you know, you could at least be semi-optimistic about it. And even like, I mean, I get what Adam Shakeman's saying about, like, Hairspray and Rock of Ages are two different musicals. It, although I would make the argument that it goes back to what you were saying about choreography is choreography. And I do think, you know, I, I, I would personally, like, look for someone with, like, different sensibilities. But I do think, at the end of the day, I don't think he's a bad choice to make this movie. I just think it comes down to a production issue. I think it's just a confused production. I think it's a movie that no one really had a justifiable reason for it to be made, but it kind of had to be because apparently, I guess, I don't know. I think maybe Warner brothers just had the rights. Maybe the rights were going to go away. If you didn't have it in production in a few years, I would not be surprised if it was something like that, or they just had to rush into production. They just had to kind of sign a blank check, get it out there and just hope for the best. That's kind of the vibe I have with this is that it, it, it didn't really have a justifiable reason to be made. Um, because the other writer on this movie, you know, this is where it kind of leans into like, I bet that uh, they just hired this guy to like kind of touch up and do like the more comedic stuff in the script. Because what a weird tr- track record this guy has. He did the dilemma with Vince Vaughn. Adam Sandler's just go with it. Here comes the boom with Kevin James. Um, Collateral Beauty with Will Smith, which is like one of the worst movies. Oh my god! Uh, insane movie. Uh, Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. Uh, the Kevin Spacey poker movie or blackjack movie Twenty One. Um, just like a such a weird, odd filmography that any sensible person on like the face of the planet would be like, that guy probably shouldn't write a musical, but here we are like it's just like such bizarre choices like i uh like how is this movie even made like i I have no clue so a little fun fact um so this show the original show has been around literally since 2005 it was not brought to broadway until 2009 its first performances were in LA in 2005. Did you do you know who played the original Tom Cruise role? No, I don't. I I feel like I have heard it before, but I don't know off the top of my head. Chris Hardwick. Like from Nerd Fame? Yes. What? Yeah. Wait, wait what? Yeah. In the original LA cast. Hold on, I'm looking at this right now. Um, oh, okay. So that kind of goes to. I'm looking at pictures of it right now. That kind of goes to like what you were saying, where it, 
that seems like it was like a way more comedic version yeah of like what they were going for and i mean i don't so do you know anything about the original musical like is it comedic in tone so I was reading about it. I was reading the plot description um, compared to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it ends with Stacy Jacks being charged with statutory rape. Um, oh. And it seems like in the second act, it's like nobody reaches their dream or anything. Like, it seems like it's a little bit not like down at the end um but like the like the movie ends on like a super like uplifting ridiculous ending um it seems like the musical ends in a more realistic way <laughs> yeah um i i would i mean i hate to say that i'm like interested in watching the show because I cannot imagine giving yeah. my life to any more of this production in any regard. Mm-hmm. But I, I I would be interested to see maybe what the tone of the show is like. Because, mm-hmm. um, again, I mean, it kind of goes to what you were saying earlier, where, it, you know, if you struck a, a real tone here, you could, like, make something mildly interesting with it. But so I would be interested to see, like, a completely absurdist take on it. You know, like, I, you know, I think when you said Dewey Cox, I think that's a great, you know, pinpoint for what this could have been. I I think Dewey Cox is one of those movies that uh, hilariously, like, wipes the floor with, like, any would-be movies like it for years to come. Literally, like, you can't make a movie about music without people referencing (laughs) that. Like, literally, it's... Everyone always says it, but it's single-handedly destroyed every single musical biopic that yeah. has ever been made and will ever be made. Like, it, it is impossible to make a biopic now. It is Even Oppenheimer, it's like, <laughs> yeah. he has to think about his whole life before walking out on stage. Like, you can't even watch any movie now without thinking of Walk Hard. Like, it, it's one of the best movies <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Like, it, it's, yeah. it, it's yeah. an incredible piece of work. I um... We should just cover it one time. <laughs> Just so we can watch it. Yeah, I mean, I I would not be opposed to that because it's so... um, That's one of those weird movies that I saw very late in life. Like, I want to say two, three years ago is the first time I saw it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, but then again, I'm not really upset about that. Because, I mean, I definitely could have, like, watched, like, 18 or 19. And I would have been fine. But, and I probably would have loved it you know, at that age, but I'm glad I didn't see it when I was, like, super young, because I would not have, like, appreciated it the way I do, like, today, or, like, even, like, three years ago, you know what I mean? Like, I I think I saw, like, when I was, like, 21 or 22, and I just, like, I thought it was, like, so fucking funny, and, like, there are scenes that, like, I've only seen the one time, but, like, I'll watch, like, YouTube clips from it, like, all the time, because I... Um, like I, I so often think about like well first of all the Beatles scene which is just like mm-hmm. the funniest thing of all time um, but also like the um, <laughs> the uh, the drug scene he's like you don't want any part of that <laughs> like it's gonna <laughs> like it's so goddamn funny um, but yeah no you're right like you can't watch like any musical biopic any like any anything really without thinking about Dewey Cox and 
it's funny that even in like something fictional like Rock of Ages, which is not actually based on any real person or band or anything like that, you can still kind of think about it in that regard. Like you can still kind yeah. of be like, Dewey Cox would have done this better. Like, it, yeah. it, like it's it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, do you what, get, go off your notes? Like you need go like go read through your notes because I. All right. So some things that I didn't bring up. Um, it started in in the beginning. There was a little girl singing on a bus, mm-hmm. and it literally was like a jump scare. She was like, "We'll be all right tonight." I see. That's what I was fucking cringing at at the beginning. Like that's when I for like the <laughs> I knew pretty early on this movie was gonna suck, but. When that started, and like every like hit, like note from each, not even just the little girl, but like all the old ass people doing it, I'm like, oh, you guys are just not serving, okay? Like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's what this movie's gonna be. All right. Um, uh, when Alec Baldwin showed up, I jumped. Also, um, uh, I have a note that says maybe it's a low bar, but I don't care if it's bad. I love seeing any musical. I don't care. I'll watch any musical. I don't know. Um, uh, I said all this. Um, I I made some. Oh, I said it's like if they tried to make camp, but for straight people. Um, uh, I started recasting it in my head. Um, I said that uh Sasha Baron Cohen should have just played Russell Brand's part if they made it into a comedy and I think that Bradley Cooper should have been in it in some way shape or form back to his roots in a comedic role I think he could have done the uh Alec Baldwin role yeah yeah, yeah. just playing like a cokehead like yeah like I think he would have cokehead been. energy yeah just like the Jackson Maine but like comedic yeah yeah, yeah. um I think that somebody like Jennifer Lawrence, not to like bring together Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper again in 2012. I think she could have played like Julianne Huff's role. She would have been great um, at that, I think. Yeah. Um, Cause she's funny. Like she's good at singing. She's good at like physical comedy. Like, um, uh, I, I don't want to sound insensitive with this comment. Um, because I know that Scientology is a thing that ruins people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tom Cruise. <laughs> Just say it. I, I don't. I don't. You're not gonna get okay, canceled. Okay, so you're you know fine. that. You, you know that tweet that's like, <laughs> I am very attracted to you, but not in like not in a sexual way but in a way where it's like i want to go out into the orchard and pick apples with you like you know that yeah that tweet where people tweet like skylar gazando or whatever and say that okay so not even those two situations but like i think that tom cruise is I think the reason why everyone is like he is the last like movie star, like he's the last leading man. He isn't he is attractive in a way that I understand why people like are like sucked into like for lack of a better word, like cults. 
Yeah. No, I... Does that make sense? I'm sorry if that sounds super insensitive, but, like, I, like, I understand, like, people, like, making, I guess, like, jokes and, like, criticisms, kind of, or, like, conspiracy theories of, like, Scientology, like, making him, like, powerful and things like that. Um... There's just something so, like, if I was talking to him in person, I would get so scared and, like, not want to walk away because he is just such a compelling speaker. Yeah. Like, he could literally, like, take over, like, a country or something. Like, I fully believe that Tom Cruise is capable of doing anything. And I don't mean that in, like, oh, I mean, like, I do, I like him. Uh-huh. This is not me saying that he's a good person. I enjoy seeing him in movies. I don't know him as a person. Yeah. I fully believe he is capable of doing anything. Yeah, no, I mean, I I feel vaguely similar, I think. I mean, I don't know. Like, I I mean, I, I don't want to, like... I mean, I feel like the Scientology conversation is, like, really a no-win conversation yeah. for yeah. anyone. Um, for many reasons, really, but uh, mostly just because you you're gonna go into that circle of like, is it impossible to appreciate the art of a problematic person? And like the answer is always gonna be yeah, you cannot appreciate the art. Like they, that's the end of the at the end of the day, the question is that answer is always gonna be yes, you can still appreciate the art. So you can by 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 all means, like you can always have that conversation. But to me. It's relatively useless, especially when it's an age-old one like the Tom Cruise Scientology thing, because the answer will always just be like, "Yes, it's okay to watch Mission Impossible movie." <laughs> like it's it's fine. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not like questioning that in any yeah. way, and I'm not saying to like cancel Tom Cruise because, like I said, he is like the most powerful person in Hollywood right now, probably. Um, and you know what? Like. He brought back movie theaters and he yeah. was implementing COVID restrictions on sets and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, I this is not advocating. And, like, obviously, like, I'm not saying to like cancel anybody. I feel like this is not the podcast for this. No, obviously. but I'm just saying, like, this is not in a good or bad way. Tom Cruise can do anything. That's all I'm, yeah. He's capable of anything, whether it be good or bad, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've i always loved, like, him as a performer. I, I mean, obviously, the Mission Impossible movies, I have kind of taken over my personality for a good portion of my life uh, for the past, like, 10 years. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like ever since I saw Ghost Protocol in theaters when I was, like, 14, I came out of that theater a different person like i i definitely had a course of like direction in life like i i just it, something shifted in that imax theater that evening uh for me <laughs> and i was never really the same and i and seeing us in can be said after i saw fallout for the first time uh one could make the argument that i'm not the same person i was pre-dead reckoning you know what i mean yeah like uh definitely not the same person i was pre top gun maverick like i yeah <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah. Like, i didn't even think about top gun yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean top gun is just like uh arguably 
the best movie of all time. Uh, but it's just, <laughs> it's, it's so incredible. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I, I've always really admired him and I, as a performer, and I just find his presence in film to be so, you know, captivating. And same thing, I, what I was saying earlier, when I, like, I listen to so many podcasts that he does, because I, you know, I, I just, I love listening to him, like, talk about, like, the filmmaking process, because he, like, he's still, because I was talking about it with a friend recently, I can't remember who I was talking about it with, but I remember we were talking about, like, how the fuck has he not directed a movie yet? Um, True. Which, because he's so heavily involved, and I was listening to a podcast recently, and someone asked, I think it was Macquarie, or... Maybe it's one of the co-stars. I can't remember exactly who. But they asked him, they're like, why is Tom not, not directed a movie? And they're like, I think it's because he's just so, he, like, respects directors so much that he, like, he just, he loves producing. And he loves, like, helping people direct. And he doesn't want to, like, actually give in the way of anyone doing their jobs. Like, he just loves seeing people do their jobs. He's, like, amazed by people doing their jobs. And I thought that was so like endearing. I was like, "Fuck!" Like that's, <laughs> like that's kind of amazing. Uh, although I would, I still contend I would love to see him direct a movie. Like I think that would be like the coolest thing ever if he like ever did that because he he clearly has such an eye for like cinema and like knows what he's he knows what it's about. He he knows where the goods are. He knows what to do. Um, yeah. So. Also, like, yeah, he he was he was really hot in risky business. <laughs> I still need to see that. I've never seen it. All right, you're gonna love it. You gotta you gotta watch it. It's so so good. It's not what I expected it to be. It's really it's, good. It's on the it's on the watch list. That in color of money. Yeah, you got two ones For yeah. him. Uh, um. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? Tom Cruise, I, his performance in this, I feel like if he leaned more into, I mean, like, no, because he would just be copying it. His performance in Magnolia is, like, one of my favorite performances of his, of all time. And he's playing somebody who's, like, a showman in Magnolia. And I don't know. I, Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's good in Rock of Ages, but there's, like, I think if the character in Rock of Ages had depth, it would just be his character in Magnolia. <laughs> yeah, I guess that, go, <laughs> that goes to it. It's, like, it's like you can either have depth or you could just have it be, like, a rehash of, like, a lot of things he's already done. And, yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know what the correct answer is. I think you could do either or. And you could still make a good movie out of it. It almost was like irrelevant because like it's like at the end of the day you could do either or. But if you have this exact like cast and crew behind, like it, it wouldn't have worked either way. So like you just have to have Tom Cruise and then just demolish everything else, and then maybe you could have like something there. Because I think that's literally the way that you can describe the film industry over the past two uh, years. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> you I, can literally have Tom Cruise and then demolish everything else. 2021 I mean, yeah. and 2022 in film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, like the scenes in this movie where he's like kind of going off, like he he really commits to like the idea of like he's just like a drunken psychopath like just like a fucking like a guy who is just so like much of a shell of what he was like and like there's like an interesting like 
idea there. Like, I'm not even going to say, like, there's an interesting moment or two in the movie. It's not even, like, an interesting moment that originates from this movie. It's just, like, a, it's a thread. Like, it's an interesting... It has idea. the possibility of having potential use. Yes, exactly, yeah. Like, the idea that, like, he is a washed-up guy that he's being kind of just fed coke and booze by his manager, and he's just... You know, like, those are, I mean, honestly, very real things that happen in real life. And... Uh, that's, like, a very interesting, like, angle. And, like, when they introduce that, like, in that scene where, you know, Mal Ackerman kind of, like, you know, points it out and, to you know, to Paul Giamatti and he kind of has, like, a realization. The movie, like, does nothing with that moment. Like, it's not... Mm-hmm. It, it, the movie doesn't go anywhere from that point. I mean, like, maybe, like, marginally, it, like, dips one toe into the water of it, but it, it truly does nothing with the potential there, which again, I, there's so many threads here where you could like pick it up and kind of run with it. But of course the movie is never brave enough to do that. And it just feels like it's wasting the talent in that yeah. regard. Um, it's so. also like, uh, there's no criticizing a movie on like a movie like this on these grounds on this podcast. But it's also, like, so sauce in terms of consent throughout this entire movie. Yeah. The fact that he ends up having, like, a sexual relationship with the journalist that criticizes him for all of his faults and points out very true and correct faults of, like, his backstory and things like that. And he literally, like, kicks everyone else out of the room and, like, locks the door and then they end up, like, in a relationship but yeah yeah i think it would have been if the movie was focused more on his character if the journalist was actually the one that like brought up the backstory and like kind of made him realize oh yeah i am washed up and i am holding on to something that is no longer like viable or no longer what people want but you know everyone does apparently want it um, even though in okay okay this drives me nuts so apparently like he is like the most lusted after man in the world apparently every woman faints when he walks past them he makes the most money for the venues that he's in he's selling out dodger stadium okay but then our leading man, whoever the fuck he is, I don't even remember. We didn't even talk about these two people that much because they're such nothing characters. Um, he wants to become famous, mm-hmm. and he goes to a record studio, like a record label, and they're like, nobody wants that anymore. You have to be in a boy band. Okay, apparently the times are changing, but Tom Cruise is still the most famous rock star in the whole world in this movie. Like, it just, it makes zero sense. I think that if they actually wanted to go with that, like, oh, the times are changing, whatever. And they went with Tom Cruise's storyline being, he's washed up, he's holding on to something that the world doesn't want anymore. This is just me rewriting the whole movie. But you know what? It would have been a better movie. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's just, um... No, like, yeah, I mean, that goes to the point of, like, how nothing in the movie really feels like it's substantially uh, developed. Like, it's just all half-baked. Like, yeah, it would have been incredibly more interesting for that 80s subplot to matter at all. But, of course, mm-hmm. it doesn't. <laughs> of course, no, it, it just doesn't. feels like people at karaoke now. 
Like, yeah, yeah, it's just like so stupid. Or when I say these subplots, sorry, I mean the the like the hip hop like thing. Like it just like you could have had that kind of like blend in. Like you you could have had him uh, that one guy, the main guy, kind of like actually rise the charts and then actually take over Stacy Jacks entirely, and have that mm-hmm. be like a crux to like link all the characters together. But no, of course not. Of course it can't matter. Of course it can't up uh, like have any dramatic weight or thematic buildup of course it can of course it can't mean anything it's such a lazy screenplay like it's so just boring and uh this goes to my very original point about why i I did not find this to be a very interesting movie because it's one of those things where i just i think yeah there's like very tiny threads like very small morsels of ideas here but it's just largely a movie that doesn't work for a lot of reasons that a lot of movies don't work. It's just straight up a bad movie. It's a very traditional bad movie. It's a movie that was made seemingly, you know, it's one of those weird adaptations where no one who made the original thing had any say in it whatsoever. Uh, the people that made it have no affinity uh, for the original source material. So you're not even having that in your corner. Not that that's always necessary, but and the, yet we don't even know if the original source material is good. But like yeah, you said again, before, yeah. if the guy, if the original creator hates it this much, it has to be drastically different. <laughs> Which makes me interested in it. Like that, I like, I'm yeah, so happy yeah. to hear that he hates this movie because it makes me actually somewhat yeah. interested to maybe one day potentially check out the, uh, the the Broadway. Like maybe one day if I'm like drunk or like just like bored, I'll watch like the yeah. like of it. Or I don't know if it's been officially like filmed, but uh, yeah, I would like love to like watch that now or even just like a YouTube essay about it. Like I'd love, I need someone to like break down like a 20 minute YouTube essay about the differences and then I can form my opinion. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, like even regardless, like even if the if I fucking hate the musical too, like I still respect the guy, you know, for like saying like mm-hmm. yeah, this adaptation of my play fucking sucks. Like, you know, you could easily just like cash in on it, but like I'm sure he doesn't want to. I'm sure if it's his baby, like why would you want to like cash in on something like that fucking sucks this much that honestly probably puts a hindrance on your name as a person as a creator even if you don't actually like have anything to do with the production of this movie his name is still in the credits like it's still gonna pop up on his wikipedia's imdb the musical is still incredibly successful to this day though like it tours all around the world and is basically playing in at least one city every single day like that's one kinda, city somewhere in the world every single day that's kind of crazy to me like i mean and i get that the reason why this movie like bombed is that it just i think it's just very basic it, it was bad that's why it bombed it, it bombed because yeah. it was bad imagine that but <laughs> and also i don't remember the marketing being particularly strong for it i remember like like I said it earlier, like that teaser with ending with like Tom Cruise like singing, um, like Dead or Alive. Like I remember that like blowing my socks off as a kid. But then I remember that teaser came out, and then nothing else really happened as far as marketing goes. Like I remember seeing like some commercials here and there, but like I remember that after that teaser dropped, there was no momentum, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know you could also make the argument that it was a very busy summer. I remember you know off the top of my head that summer. The Avengers, The Dark Knight Rises, uh, Ted, Spider-Man, uh, Prometheus, just these just Moonrise Kingdom even in terms of like in indie movies, 
you know, like 2012 was a just in summer alone. It was a very busy year for film. Uh, so to like release this in like, I, I think in June, June or July, it was one of the two. Um, just a crazy like fumble there. I don't think it's a mistake to release this in a summer season, but I, I can't help but wonder if like maybe, maybe in August or something, like, I don't know, but just like in the middle of like, you know, like between Avengers and Batman, like that just feels like DOA, you know, like it just, feels, I, I don't know. I think this is a good summer movie. I just think it was at a weird turning point in the film industry where we considered summer movies like superhero movies, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, or like just being like overpowered by like Disney or I kind of something yeah. that is owned by Disney. You know what I mean? I don't Although, know. I feel I like it, it's still a big blockbuster. It's just also that there wasn't a lot of musicals. I feel like there really is never a lot of musicals like ever. I think musicals at this point in time are kind of like in this in like the 2012s were kind of like how studio comedies are being treated today. Um, yes. Where like they're just so weirdly kind of like, you know, shunned from society. And I and yeah. that's crazy to me because I am speaking strictly to like studio comedies right now. Like that was like my thing growing up like studio comedies were like my go-to mm-hmm. favorite genre like when i was a teenager i would see every superhero movie every horror movie and every studio comedy and then i would just happen to see whatever else i thought was good or looked good you know what i mean yeah and this but, like, isn't this isn't a dig at you but as did like everybody else and that's why they were super successful yeah, yeah. and i don't know what happened that like, yeah, I I think the world um, assumed that nobody wanted them anymore. I was listening, uh, or no, I think I read the quote about it. Uh, where uh, Adam uh, Devine, uh, from uh, the Rich Gemstones, he was talking about it, and he was like, I think Marvel killed the studio comedy because people were like, why if like Marvel movies are funny, why would I pay for just a comedy when I can get an action comedy? for like the same mm-hmm. price which i think is a very like that's not like a new observation but i've never really like heard it in those exact terms like because sometimes you just need like a guy to like break it down that basically for you and you're like yeah that's exactly it because i mean i can mm-hmm. i think that's exactly it because i you it's hard to deny that as marvel got more popular you did see less and less studio comedies and then covid was just like the nail in the coffin like it was it was over after that but uh it was it was also a specific brand of comedy or style of comedy that rose through Marvel. Like everyone, I feel like makes fun of like the Marvel like little like quips and like not like self awareness, but like everyone knows what I'm talking about. Like yeah, well that happened. Like yeah. That was kind of like like there are no like jokes anymore. No yeah. Jokes. Yeah. No, I mean it's not. It's especially today. I mean it's not what it used to be. Like I just I. I mean and you know I am grateful that you know this year we had some good comedies. Like I love Joyride. I thought No Hard Feelings was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. You know I there there's good stuff that came out this year, but they all I think no hard feelings did like okay at the box office from what I can tell, but uh, it seems like Joyride didn't really do great. Um, 
I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's another one that I'm forgetting, but, uh, but like, even so, like, I just, I, I, I miss that feeling. And I can only imagine that's what, like, cause I mean, I like, I love musicals, but I'm not mm-hmm. like as nostalgic for them. Like, I, I mean, I, I wish we lived in a world where we got like at least one or two major musicals a year. I do wish we lived in that world, but I, I don't like crave it as much as I crave a studio comedy. What does it say about me as a person? I don't know, but I just, <laughs> I, but I do appreciate them when we get a good one. Like what was the last good like studio musical? Like, was it Mamma Mia? Here we go again. Okay. In the Heights. I, yeah, I, I liked I, In the Heights a lot. Yeah. I liked it too. Yeah. yeah it was good. Um, West Side Story. West Side Story was the West Side Story. So that's why I asked because I I, for, I forget. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, also, um, I mean, it, it was what? Both of those movies bombed. Oh, not sure. Um, it also very low key. Um, I won't even say like I wish I saw this on a big screen because. Like, unfortunately, it did go straight to streaming, but it was a very low-key one. Like, I really did like, um, what the fuck was that? Andrew Garfield, oh, the Linda Manuel Miranda. Yeah, I, I liked movie. that a lot. I liked yeah. it a lot. Yeah, yeah, so did I. I, uh, I really liked that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, not even really a musical, but, like, I remember when, um, even like the subcategory of like weird like musical dramas like the star is born like i would even like kill to just see more of those you know what i mean mm-hmm. like um just movies where like music is like on the forefront of it even though it's not technically a musical um mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i don't think musicals are dead i just think they are being a little more picky with what they make which you know on the one hand i wish you know maybe naively i wish Hollywood is full of blank checks. I I, I want to see a lot of ambitious, weird swings. I a lot of the best stuff to talk about is weird swings and misses, or uh, things that should have been a miss but were somehow a, a big home run. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. you know, I do realize that's not the reality we live in anymore. And you know, if you know when we talk about it, like the every musical we're bringing up right now, we like. You know, we were like, hey, we like that's a good movie. That's a good movie. That's a good movie. Like maybe I don't want to say it's like positive that like we're getting less musicals, but maybe it's not like an awful thing that like, you know, oversaturation. Well, not only oversaturation, but like it seems like everything that is being made is actually good. (laughs) Like, you know, we're not getting a rock of ages now, but maybe that's okay. Like maybe maybe it's okay (laughs) that we wouldn't get this movie this in this day and age. And I think um you know, I do wish we got more ambitious, like, and I'm sure, you know, In the Heights bombing and West Side Story, not, I mean, both came out in, like, 2021, so, you know, in, I know In the Heights had HBO, so it's not, you know, incredibly fair, but, you know, I'm, I'm not, but I'm also not the judge, I'm just looking at it from the way, the same way a studio person would look at it, you know what I mean? Like, I, it's still not a great case to be made for the, the state of musicals. Um, but then again, Mamma Mia, uh, here we go again. I believe that crushed the box office from what I can tell. Yeah. So we I are getting wicked part one and two soon. Oh God. I've, um, it's going to be, it's it's gonna gonna be, be some, 
It's going to be something. I don't fuck with Wicked. I'm sorry. Maybe that's a hot take. I don't fuck with Wicked. I've never seen um, it, but I'm already annoyed me by neither. it. Me neither. I don't like the music. Never even heard the music. Um, uh, as as a person who loves musicals, I, I don't love Wicked. Um, I'm very much looking forward to Richard Linklater's Merrily We Roll Along in 20 years. Yeah, something like 2037 or 2038 or something. Yeah, I'm actually really, like, not even joking. I'm very excited for that because, yes, it is very funny that it's like, oh, my God, Boyhood took 12 years to make and he's, like, actually shooting this movie in real time. But I think, like, I personally, I love that musical so much. I'm going to see it again with Daniel Radcliffe in it, which I'm so fucking excited for. Um... I think that it very much lends itself to the emotional arc of the movie because the musical goes in reverse chronological order. So it starts with them older and then it goes backwards until like, cause it's about like three best friends. And in the end it's like, they're not friends anymore. It goes in reverse chrono- chronological order all the way back to like the night that they met. So you're seeing all the drama of their friendships and stuff and them like growing up and maturing in reverse chronological order so like i think it's going to be really cool mm-hmm. to see the actors literally like aging in reverse <laughs> um, yeah it's also gonna like give me an existential crisis i think yeah <laughs> being like oh i remember when beanie feldstein looked like that like um that's i mean it, if i'm not mistaken if it's literally 2037 and 2038 uh, yeah. Like I, I think I read the other night, I'm gonna be 40. Yeah, that's insane. Like I don't like that. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah. And if I'm remembering correctly, I think that's like kind of like like we are like the ages of the characters. So that's gonna really like fuck me up. Like. Yeah. And what if I killed myself? Like what what, what happens then? Like what I <laughs> I. <laughs> I I just I just don't like it. I don't I don't like what that how that makes me feel. Um I Yeah. That's, that's going on the that's going on the out of context. Uh I I don't like how that makes me feel. No, the uh what well, yeah, what if I killed myself? Um but I I think we yeah. would get banned from Twitter if I tweeted that without any context. Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, I, what, uh, Merrily We Roll Along. Yeah, I've never, I, I know what it is. I, I've never seen it, obviously, but I, I, I know of it, like, even before you, uh, woman explained it to me. Uh, but I, because Lady do, Bird, Lady Bird brought it back into the public consciousness. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm excited to see that when I'm having a midlife crisis, literally. Um, and I... <laughs> yeah, honestly, what a great time for it to come out. Very, very ambitious uh, uh, project yeah. to undertake. Uh, not only for uh, that reason, but also uh, very optimistic to believe we'll still be around. Um, so I, yeah, can't wait. Totally. Um, I mean, Paul Mascal is now in it, so they already had to recast it. Yes. What a dreamboat. Um, he took over what's his name's role, bro. Uh, the guy from. It was like a piece of shit that like was a piece of shit before he was even cast, and then it was brought back up, so he was 
fired. Wait, so is he the lead? I don't know anything really about like the characters. Is he the lead? There's just three leads. So it's Ben Platt, Paul Mescal, and Beanie Feldstein. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, cool. Yeah, I mean, that sounds good. I, I really like Paul Mescal a lot, so I'm excited for... God, that's just, like, crazy to think about, though. Like, that's... And I hate to, like, ask the question, but, like, what if something happens to one of them? Like, what do they do? Like... I know. That sucks. Like, that would... fuck. I mean, obviously, it would suck if anything happened to anybody, but, like... Jesus. Like, the idea of, like, navigating that is just, like... Damn. Like, I can't even... I Like, I actually cannot, like, imagine that. Um... Shit. Uh, yeah. okay, we're, 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 we're going further than I thought we did on this fucking pod. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, the only note that I didn't bring up, and I feel like this is a great, great note to end on, um, <laughs> the monkey's name is Hey Man. I thought that, okay, that's, <laughs> it's kind of a funny bit. I, I'll, I'll give the movie that. I thought that was kind of funny. It's very funny. Do you hear What's these it? motorcycles outside my window right now? Um, yes, I do. Uh, I, yeah. I, that is a funny bit. Um, I think it, it's, I, listen, the, the guy who made the musical is valid. That being said, monkeys are funny to me. And I, and if you, throw, if you put Not a monkey. be dark, but like, I feel like this is the kind of movie that like a Gordy's home situation would happen on the set. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, like it's like a movie that like, it feels like it would be like lost to time because like yeah gordy worked on this movie and it was just like buried by like studios or something yeah and the nope universe gordy was uh, on the set of rocket pages gordy was hey man um <laughs> hey man that's Monkey like it was a leather jacket that holds hands with tom cruise throughout the movie that is like a funny bit, and everything that Tom Cruise does is funny. Everything else in the movie is just bad. Uh, that's my to summarize this whole pot up. Uh, Tom Cruise and Monkey, uh, good. Uh, Paul Giamatti, good. Practical, like real sets that you can tell are real, good. Uh, everything else, literally everything else, bad. Yeah. Kira could have made a better movie. Uh, I would have made such a good movie of this. I believe it. I'm going to rewrite it. I'm, I'm just going to rewrite it. Without even seeing the source material, I'm going to rewrite it. Yeah. Do it. I dare you. Just yeah. do it. Um, just, uh, yeah, do me a favor. Get, um, who do we fan cast? Bradley Cooper as uh, Alec Baldwin's character. Uh, yeah. You got to get John C. Riley in there. Maybe as the manager. Actually, no, just get Paul Giamatti back to it as the manager. Get John C. Riley in John there. John C. Riley could play Alec Baldwin's part. I think Bradley Cooper could play. Oh, I don't know. I need him in there somewhere. Like he needs to be in yeah. just comedies. Again. As the mayor, like as the mayor, maybe Brian Cranston. I liked Brian Cranston as the mayor. I just wish that he had more. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I yeah. I, I didn't dislike him. I just don't think he had anything to do. Um, okay. yeah, we'll fan cast later. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, bad, bad, bad movie. 
Uh, so I, but I'm glad we scratched to Kira's itch to to watch it because to finally watch it, yeah. Now it's, it's my over. goal to see every musical ever made. So. Yeah, and um, and now I have a lot of leverage when it comes to picking a movie on the pod because now Kira can literally never say no to me, uh, because I I did this, <laughs> so I have free reign. I'll choose wisely. Maybe not next time. Maybe not the time after that. Maybe not even in a year from now, but one day I'll come in with a with a movie so awful or maybe so great and she just doesn't understand it. Listen, and, okay, wait. At the beginning of the episode, you said that, oh, it's so bad, like, I don't want to watch it, like, Kira's insisting that I watch it and it doesn't even fit into Zillennial canon, like, you made me watch Good Boys. No, I didn't. I didn't. That was a bit... Okay, first of all, I, I argued against that being an actual episode. You guys just wanted to watch that because you guys thought it would be a funny thing to do for the pod. I never forced it on the pod. I never did that. You wanted me to watch Good Boys. I actually and did And then it. it became an agreed-upon thing. I actually did. If you, back to it, if you listen back to it, I said that... Um, I said something like... If you gave it a chance, you wouldn't find it to be that bad. But then I took that back and I was like, no, I think you've convinced yourself that it's that bad. <laughs> and But I never actually advocated to do it on the pod. I never advocated to like to actually do that. Um, because I knew what kind of episode it would be. I, like, I knew that no, I would be the only one that liked that movie. Which I stand by. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no. I This is... I I mean it's not I don't think it's millennial. Still, I still stand by that. But I respect. Maybe I just see this as millennial because like I would just see the marketing for the Broadway show all the time when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I associate this with like my preteens to teenage years. Yeah. I mean, years. if if any listeners disagree with me, I'll you know egg on my face. Like that's fine. Like. I, I don't really care. Like I I'll take the L. I, I didn't grow up with like Broadway as much as Kira did, obviously. So like I don't clearly have as much of like an affinity for that kind of stuff. So I when I think of Zillennial, I don't think of Rock of Ages. I think of like I don't know. I fucking Dougal. Like I don't fucking two two Dougal references in one pod. What are you gonna do about it? I don't think we um, will ever cover Dougal, I will be honest. I I think it would make great content, but that I, should be like our final episode. Yeah, I'm gonna. Um, oh, I was gonna make a bad joke. Never mind. Uh, no, yeah. So wh- it's gonna be the last episode ever, um, and that links to the joke, so you can uh, do with that as you will. But um, I uh, now Dougal is uh, the worst movie I've ever seen in my life, and I think it would make great content, but I also never want to watch it. So maybe if you guys. Well. So if you guys ever see an episode on Dougal pop up in your podcast feeds, feeds just know that you'll never hear from us ever again. Yeah, if you ever hear, <laughs> if you ever see Dougal on the feed, uh, call my family. Um, and I, and on that note, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Adam underscore not Sandler, uh, and uh, same with Letterboxed and. Uh, a-OK, Agress uh, OK, the podcast uh, with my little scamper buddy, uh, Joey. And 
yeah, we were going to do a Oscar pod this past week, but not going to lie. Um, Dune getting pushed back definitely threw a wrench in my list, and I have been too tired and busy to revamp that list. So I, uh, whenever I find the energy to edit out all like 15 fucking categories I had that movie in, then maybe we can record. Uh, maybe then. <laughs> but until then, uh, just listen back to our other like 300 episodes. There's plenty to choose from. Yeah. <laughs> listen to the one where yeah, let us watch Trolls World Tour if you want to. Oh treat. yeah, I forgot about that. Oh my god, the beginning of the pandemic. Holy shit. Every um, kids or every Trolls movie I've seen has been like against my will by like a woman in my life. And uh, <laughs> the, and the tradition is continuing now that I have a girlfriend who loves trolls and she loses her shit at every yeah. time the third trailer plays in theaters. Oh, I'm so excited for that. I'm so glad that she's excited for that too. She gets so excited, um, which I I'm I'm so happy for her. But Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at garlic emoji. You can follow us on Twitter at Zillennial Canon on Instagram at the Zillennial Canon. Give us some ratings and some reviews, and I'm pretty sure no episode next week mm-hmm. for the uh, same reason for the same reason that we don't have an episode on this exact week every single year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I mean, we'll we'll have an IRL pod that only me and Kira can listen to. Uh, <laughs> okay, a conversation. Week. A conversation in person. Uh, me and Adam are gonna have a conversation next week. Yeah, we're. We'll, we'll be at uh at, at Disney together next week, so that'll be fun. But uh, don't tox us. What I mean, what are they gonna do? Buy a fucking flight? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, damn. Like, you you seriously overestimate how much people care. Um, I. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody that listens to this podcast is gonna be like with us. <laughs> It's not like the fucking entity is listening. Um, yeah, I. The entity is always listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll. Uh, but probably the week after that. Uh, maybe. Who knows? Uh, we'll we'll be back at some point. Uh, will I implement a good movie or a bad movie? Only the Lord knows. Bye, guys. <laughs> okay.